You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. An absolutely Frustrating week this week for the Philadelphia Flyers, culminating in Carter Hart absolutely losing his mind. Let's all talk about it right now on Orange and Backcheck. This is the Orange and Backcheck podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. Episode 62 of Orange and Backcheck. We are glad you're here to talk whatever just happened with the Philadelphia Flyers. He's Scott Weinhardt, my partner in crime. What's going on, brother? Uh, listen, I, I only have one major concern from what I saw at a Carter Hart last night. Um, I think the kid needs to start building up his strength because I don't see why it took that many whacks across the crossbar to break that stick. <laughs> well, look, what, first off, what, what happened with Carter Hart, I, it, it's one of the most shocking things I think we've seen in his young career, right? Like for a kid that we've praised time and time again, who has had the mental capacity that that we don't see in some 10-year experience goaltenders in the NHL. And then for him to lose his mind like that was very uncharacteristic of him. And he even admitted so in postgame, in, po- in the postgame pre- um, press conference. Like, and he immediately apologized. Like, And I don't fault him. It was absolutely incredible to witness to see him completely lose his mind. Um, but then you think about it and you're like, it's Carter Hart wow, this really must be uh, frustrating for him. And he's and he had a tough week for sure. I mean, he got pulled in one game early, earlier in the week, and then he lost both against these against Boston and he's on and his backup. Now I don't, I'm not going to say that he's upset. I don't think Carter has that mindset to see Brian Elliott pitch a shutout in his first game. And we'll get into that, but like, that's got to be a frustrating thing to see. And now it, it just, it all built up to this one epic moment for Carter Hart and he slammed his stick and shattered that thing. Like, I'm glad that he immediately apologized, but I don't think he had anything to apologize for, if that makes sense. Yes, I was going to say that. I don't think he had anything to apologize for, except maybe to the manufacturer of making their sticks look <laughs> more durable than they actually are, because Bauer's yeah. sticks aren't that durable as a goalie. Anyway, I digress. But um, I, I no, I, I didn't. I was actually happy to see that. I, mm-hmm. I, I love it when a goaltender shows some emotion and shows that hey look i really do care like no goalie wants to get burned for six goals especially one in the national hockey league and you know most times Vigneault would have pulled him in that situation but because last night's game or saturday night's game was so bad defensively it didn't matter if you had Tuka Rask, but you could have had the best goalie of all time and either Patrick Waugh, Martin Brodori, got a back of Jacques Plant, Terry Sawchuk, any one of those guys and they would have gotten shelled yeah. Because defensively, the Flyers are garbage right now. And, you know, I know people in Philadelphia are freaking out and going completely nuts. And you know what? I will say this. I can't believe people are making such a big deal about how under how this team is underperforming when they've only played six games. It's six games. At the end of the day, let's be real. It's six days. Uh, six days. Six games. <laughs> It, it it feels like six days. That's how that's how that's how many games they played in that time. It feels like, but when you look at this as a whole, Carter Hart's not off to the best of starts. He's not. And I, I we we posted a video over the weekend about his anticipation. You could clearly clearly see against Pittsburgh on the breakaway how you can clearly see how he's anticipating where the puck's going to go. And then in Boston, in that third period, it kind of fell apart. You could tell by some of the body language he has. The guys lost a little bit of confidence. 
But again, I want to reiterate, it's early in the year. They are missing Sean Couturier. They are missing Phil Myers. They are banged up. They are missing Shane Gostaspierre. Eric Gustafson is not a good defensive person. He really hasn't done much since that first game of the season. Robert Haig is just a liability unless you pair someone really good with him. Um, they, they, they have depth and they have talent there, but it's not enough to overcome a veteran team like Boston. And when you watch those games of what they did over the past couple days, they didn't do anything special. Like the Flyers on Thursday night should probably have not have even gotten a point out of it because yeah. they played just like garbage through a period and a half. They got lucky to go up by two and then they gave up four goals in the third period. You cannot win hockey games that way. Defensively, it was an issue then, but it, it here's why it's a problem for them defensively overall is because all those teams are doing are just crashing the net. They're just crashing the net and just getting pucks as sticks on pucks and deflections and not and just pretty soft goals. It's not anything hard to defend against. The Flyers can't play north-south hockey. They're getting burned by it right now. So it doesn't matter if it's hard, Elliot. But going back, yeah, the kid should be upset. And I'm happy to see a little emotion out of it because you sh- it shows he knows he can be better and he needs to be better. Even yeah. if there's defensive problems around him, he's got to be better. The entire team's got to be better. But we're only six games in. So we have to remember that it's only six games. We have well, 50 more of these to go. Well, I, I, well, that's, that's the thing, right? We're, we talked about in our, in, for multiple times, for multiple episodes now, how these early point opportunities are very key. They've, they obviously came away with a point last uh, in the overtime game in the first game against Boston, and they got nothing out of this last one where they just got crushed six to one. But like early on, we talked about this. They need to bag points early on in a 56 game season. That's where it comes to. It's not an 82 game season. We're already in January. We're halfway through more than halfway through January. Soon it's going to be February next week and it, or in a week and a half or whatever it is. And that, and all of a sudden we're going to be talking about how we're in game 50 or in game 37. And we're still saying they're not bagging the points that they need. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if we're talking about the first six games as a microcosm of what could happen over the course of 50 games, because you don't have enough time to recuperate, you don't have enough time to figure out what's wrong with your system. Then it snowballs. And all of a sudden you're looking at the bottom and looking up at the East and going, what happened here? And and I understand fans frustration. I totally do. I lean towards your, uh, how it, it is 50 games. This can get turned around pretty quickly. Uh, in terms of the defensemen, I, I think what I think people really overvalued the Eric Gustafson signing. I think you saw, you Absolutely. heard that, you, Absolutely. You, and you were like, "Oh, this is this will be. A, it's not a Niskanen replacement, but it is a it's a, it's a somewhat gap filler." that can hold you over for a season or two. I don't remember what, what Gustafson's contract is. I think it was only one year anyway, if that, I can't even remember his terms. I think it's a one year deal. So like it's, it's a, let's just plug this guy in before we can find a permanent solution. Is that solution possibly on this team and Philip Myers, Robert Haig, whatever it may be. I don't know at this point, the problem is, of how just right now, what Eric Gustafson is absolutely destroying this team and trying to make these obscene passes in their own defensive zone. And that's what get Carter Hart is frustrated about when he's slamming his stick. He's not slamming his stick just because of his own performance. I think he's trying to also send a message to his team. Like guys, I need you to play better. Like this is bull crap, what you're doing in front of me. And he's not going to say that explicitly and publicly. He might've said something. I think he has that as a goalie. Do you, has he earned that pedigree to say to his teammates, his blue line mates, like, Hey, I, I privately, not publicly, he'll never say it publicly, but privately, like, is he at the point where he's like, guys, I can't do this alone. Like I, I can spin on my head one, one time or two games out of the week. I can't do it out of four games when we're playing five games out of the week. No, I don't think that's the case at all. First of all, Goalies shouldn't really be calling out their defense because if you're a goaltender in the National Hockey League, you want to stop every puck to begin with. You don't like when one puck gets to you and you're up 9-1 or whatever. You don't want one getting past you. Not at all. You're, you're, the objective is to stop every puck. And if you're putting yourself in a position where, look, a couple of those plays last night, he was hung out the dry, but he got across. He could have gotten something on it, and that's what he's trying to do. He's frustrated because he's not playing up to his, uh, his pedigree, and he's not playing uh, the team's not playing up to where they should be. But 
and I say but because it's key, he shouldn't be going and calling out his teammates whatsoever because there's a couple goals that Carter Hart has given up over the past couple of games that he should have had back. So yeah, 100%. I don't, I don't think that that's something that's going to be going on. I think they have confidence in him, and he has confidence in his teammates. It's not so much a talent issue right now. It's more of a chemistry issue. They have they have talent there. They have a lot of guys who can do a lot of different things. They have they still have Ivan Provorov, but they can't find anybody to play with him. So if you can't have anybody, him and Sandheim, that's not a good pairing at all. Did not no, look good not. last night. They have to they have to find something to do with that. It's about having the chemistry, which is why they don't want to break up Sandheim and Myers too much. Now, some Myers is hurt. Obviously, you have to, but you you can't. It's about we talk about it all the time. The flow. We talk about the flow. And you're yeah. six games into a season where you'd had an abbreviated training camp. You didn't have a lot of time to work on things together. It doesn't matter what you did last season. It matters now. So with Niskin and out, it creates a hole, a chemistry hole, where they don't have enough flow to be able to get through this thing right now because they don't have enough experience playing with each other because they're playing a game every other day when other teams have played four games up to this point not the six like the flyers have which is nonsense so you don't have practice time you don't have an ability to work these things out you're pretty much relying on tape and morning skates and that's not accomplishing anything because you don't have hard practice time to do it it comes down to this is that they're off to a rough start but they're still three two and one and everybody's yeah. freaking out because they're three, two, and one. You know where they were at at this point last season? They were two, three, and one. So you're one win better at this point, lad, than you were last year. It's a good way to look at it. Yeah. So, that's, and, that's, that's, and that's and you're also dealing with injuries. You're also dealing with major injuries. You've lost your top center in Sean Couturier, which helps your defense because he's one of the best two play play two way players in the game. That's why he won the Selkie last year. And you lost essentially your second defenseman, Phil Myers. Okay. And you were playing two of these games with five guys, five defensemen, because Myers got hurt. Then Mark Friedman was held out on Thursday night because of that hit he had against Brad Marshall when his head hit the ice. So a couple of those games there, you couldn't even field six defensemen. So, yeah, they're going to have a little bit of struggle right now, but nobody wants to see that. They just want to see, oh, wow, the Flyers got burned for six goals. Understand why. And what Boston was doing wasn't anything too fancy. The Flyers just weren't ready to play last night. It makes it look like that 6-1 loss from last season with Pittsburgh where everybody thought the sky was falling. The sky's not falling. This team has shown a predisposition to turn it around when they have had bad games. When they lost to Buffalo and got blown out last week, they responded by shutting them out the following night. When they gave up a point against Boston, okay, they didn't respond well yet, but you can damn well be sure that they're going to respond against New Jersey, who's playing well also. Yeah, and and that leads to the uh, the second game of Buffalo. Uh, how important a guy like Brian Elliott is right now for the, mm-hmm. the for the the push of of Carter Hart at this point. Like we talked about how, or I talked about how the potential of him calling out his defensive teammates, and and I at the end of the end of it, I probably agree with you. It's not going to happen. It, it's very very unlikely. It's almost. It's it's a unicorn. It's very very rare. It almost never happens. You got to be like a Patrick Waugh statue. Yeah, if you, exactly. If you, if you do it and it doesn't work, then guess what? Then you're you got problems in the locker room. And when you're in a time like this, when you don't really have the season going yet, and you're not really consistent, you need that locker room to be tight knit, which they are right now, which is good. Well, look, and that leads to where Brian Elliott's his stature as this guy. He is the guy that Carter Hart should be looking towards and saying. How do I improve myself? Now, I would not be shocked, not necessarily Tuesday night against Detroit, or excuse me, Detroit, New Jersey, but I could see Elliott getting something out of this. He might get a good portion. He get might get more than half the games. I think like it would, I'm not saying it needs to be done, but it wouldn't be a bad thing if Carter Hart took a step back and just watched from the ice because what we saw, it was so unlike him that AV had to be had to been absolutely shocked and and he didn't call him out in the media but he was like that was very uncharacteristic of carter I, I i he apologized already and so on and yada 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 we already know, know what he said but like in situations like that you kind of turn to the veteran in the room right you look towards brian elliott and say listen need you to get this kid all back on the page of what you what where he was like this is what he needs to be this is where he is at right now can you help him and Brian Elliott is that guy that will help him and I think it's almost to the point where AV not to the point but like at the what would do the body good you, you know you kind of hear people say it would do the body good if Carter Hart 
watch Brian Elliott for a game or two. He sat on the bench and saw Brian agree. Elliott. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely hundred percent. I think that you might see Elliott get the start here tomorrow night on Monday because after seeing after that meltdown that team had the other day, there's two schools. There's two schools of thought of looking at it. One is that you know what they've responded. You want to get the kid to respond, which she's had, which which Vigneault has given him plenty of chances in, in in like last season to come back and respond in a game where he didn't play that well. He allowed him to come back the next game and work it out. I don't know if you have the luxury of being able to do that right now because you need to, as you said, start getting some of these points and make sure you have them earlier in the year because it's good that you're not playing your best right now. You don't want to be playing your best hockey right now. You want to wait till probably about game 40 to really start lighting it up. Mm -hmm. Um, That way you carry that momentum into the playoffs but you don't want to lose easy points here either. Not that any points easy, but you don't want to give up points. So right now they need to bag points. So Vigneault is going to probably look at it one of each ways. Either let me try to see if the kid can work out of this funk and then turn to Brian Elliott or say, hey, like you said, give him a game off, let Brian Elliott go in and then have Carter Hart come back after resetting for a full game. Knowing Vigneault, probably going to go the latter. We'll probably have him reset and sit back a game and watch. I'll be surprised if Carter starts tomorrow night, but yet again, I won't be because he has let him battle through in the past. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not the worst thing to do. No, right. It's one of those things like it's a win-win scenario. Like whatever Correct. you do, like Carter can handle. Carter can handle whatever you decide to do with him. Like th- this is what is where where we saw that blip of his mental makeup kind of take a shift and all of a sudden crack a little bit. But his man- mental makeup is one of the strongest we've seen for not just a goalie, but just a player that is as young as he is playing for the Flyers. And that's what's really impressive. So I I, I would not be – I'm fine with whatever way he does. I lean towards let him reset. Give him a day off on Tuesday night. Let, let Elliot handle the Devils because as good as they've become or as good as they look, like you'll get into – like touch on Jack Hughes in a second here on how he looks – like, I, I think that's the team that the Flyers need to get a reset. The, 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 there's expectations for the Devils they, they, after coming off a disappointing season in last year. But I think the Devils are a good base team that they can reset on and how disappointing they've been. Well, I mean, look, the Devils right now, they're, they're not the worst team out there. They haven't played in a couple days, but they are so far on the season. They are 2-1-1. One, and one. They've had a decent start to the year. Uh, it really comes down to this. <clears throat> Jack Hughes the other night had three points. He would have had four had they not called back the one play on an offside. He would have had three, had four points against the Rangers, scored two goals. His wheels are starting to pick up. He's got a lot more speed. He had a lot of chances last season as far as um, having, uh, having a lot of breakaways. With the way the Flyers' defense is, I guarantee you the Devils are going to try to stretch that a lot, try to a lot of stretch passes, get in between, and then try to split the D, try to get them deep. Try to send them on that, you know, off to the races. Um, also, they're getting very good goaltending. PK Subban's playing very well this season again, and also they're getting very good goaltending at Mackenzie Blackwood. Um, you know, the other night against the Islanders, the last time they played, the Devils are actually playing tonight as we speak. Um, but the other night they started Scott Wedgwood, and Scott Wedgwood, their backup, who hadn't played an NHL game since 2018, he played it turned out a solid effort, and, and that's who the Flyers play there on the Islanders, and they're a separate story, but. Well, yes, the Devils have expectations. They're a well-coached team by Lindy Ruff, who don't make a lot of mistakes, and also they're healthy. So with the Flyers having these injury issues, without Sean Couturier, without without Phil Myers, those are two key pieces that you have the line shuffle on. That, that if they can't break out of there, as we talked about before we started this, but their their breakouts have been haven't been great because they haven't been able to get out of their own end because they don't have the defense to really push the puck up ice. Yeah. So. They don't really. They basically are running off a of four defensemen, right? You know, can't count on Mark Freeman to do all that. Robert Hague is Robert Hague is not a guy who's going to generate the offense. So you need to rely on Gustafson. You need to rely on Sanheim. You need to rely on Provorov, and Braun is a stay-at-home guy. So really, you don't have a lot of guys who can push the puck and push the pace up ice. The Devils will exploit that, and until the Flyers get healthy, that's going to be the biggest concern. So I, I wouldn't say look at the Devils and say, hey, look. They're just a team that just the Flyers might need them to reset. The Devils are playing pretty decent, have a lot of talent. They can't get offense going. Good luck on score Mackenzie Blackwood, who started off the season really, really well. So, um, and if Jack Hughes keeps going the way they are, 
they're they're they're, they're that's going to be a problem for them. And let's not forget some of the other guys they have: Miles Wood, who can score some goals; Travis Zajac, who's closing in on a thousand games. <laughs> you know, they have talent there. They're not just a team they walk all over like they used to. So the Flyers have a tough week ahead of them, and they kind of need to get this ship right and quick and work. And they have to really outwork the Devils because the Devils are going to work this team, and the Flyers with their Issues on defense, it's something that teams will definitely exploit here from here on out until the Flyers can get healthy again. Yeah, and and thankfully, one of those guys, and I think one of the big improvements, despite because we talked about Haig a little bit early early on, like and how disappointing he's been um, and how much of a liability he is. It's funny to me, and some people have called him out, but I think the return of a guy like Shane Gossespierre, who is his own liability in his own right for the last couple seasons, his return, when you think about it, like if I'm presented like, do you want to play Robert Haig or Shane Gossespierre? I, at this point, I think it's an obvious answer. You, you got to go with, you, you got to play Gossespierre. You, you got to go with Shane. The, you can push the pace. You could exactly. You can push the pace. If it, you know, as much as a, a li- liability, he may be on the defensive end. He can at least create chances in the offensive zone that can offset that, right? So, I, and, yeah. and then you, you got to figure six, out five instead of six one. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> and maybe that, that that could mean a, a an overtime point, right? Like, uh, it, yeah, it, yeah, one hundred percent. It could mean an overtime point. So, yeah. I, like, and I think we're talking about too, like the the Provi, uh, trying to figure out a, 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 the right partner for Provi. I I think it's, I think you got to try the experiment again with Provi and Gossespierre. It's it's obviously risky. It has it, it its negatives, but like at this point, what else can you do? You you can't put Provi with, or you can't do this um, Hague and, and or excuse me, this Provorov and Sanheim. I don't think that's working. Gustafson is a complete liability. You can't put him with Provorov. So I I think you I think Shane's the obvious answer at this point. Now that he's off the COVID list, now that he's back healthy, he's skating in Voorhees. They're back home, the team. So like, am I am I reading too much into this, or is is Shane the obvious answer at this point? No, I. I... I think that Shane is the obvious answer at this point. You have to turn him. You have to try to find a way to get a spark offensively. You cannot go. Look, they had two games this week. Or actually, the only game they didn't really struggle on offense was Thursday night because Boston didn't play that well defensively. And Tuka Rask was a little leaky, which is very odd for him. The Flyers always play Boston hard. The fact they got blown up by Boston and didn't have a scoring affair with him um, is unusual because either they have low scoring tight games or they are within – they. They have, they have, they go back and forth and trade chances. Um, Shane will help this team in a dynamic if he's able to return and be and he's fully healthy as he says he is as they, as they say he is. It'll kind of be like what we saw from Gustafson in the first game of the season. Look, we've seen plenty of Shane. We know the book on him defensively. Yes, he's a liability. But if that's why a lot of those games, like when they will go back to the playoff bubble when Montreal, they used ghosts to really start him in the, in the playoffs and in the, uh, in the play-in rounds to push the pace and push the, uh, push the tempo. Yeah. You need that. You're absolutely not. And it's not so much about pairings at this point. You can figure that part out once Myers get healthy, because until Myers yep. get healthy, your, your whole They're arbitrary core. Yeah. Your whole defensive core is just messed up. So until you get that Sandheim Myers pair back together, now I see why they didn't want to break it up because when you put Sandheim, there's no with, one else to Bro- go with him. Exactly. Braun, Braun can't play with Haig because if you, they're just the same type of player and they're liabilities in their own end. Gustafson and Braun isn't really a good way either because they don't have the two way ability. Gustafson could really pull me push up by. So you're really firing his side of the ice for the most part, if you want to get technical. So, and then Braun's not good enough to really recover off that. Uh, but if you talk about, Provorov and having someone with him, that's a secondary point to just getting cleaned up right now to hold, keep your head above water until you get a huge part of your defense and Phil Myers back. Once Myers comes back, then you figure out what good do with ghost. And it'll probably be honestly something similar like they did last year in the playoffs, probably having ghost probably in and out of the lineup. Like we did with Haig, if you're using him as a seven, send Mark Friedman back down and you can roll with what you have there because if, if unless somebody gets hurt. So if you have like, you know, Gustafson, who's not playing well, you can slip him in for Gosses Bear, and you're not really losing anything out of your offensive side of the puck. Right. So that's another option as well. 
So they have some flexibility here just because their depth has been tested, which is why they're in the predicament they are, but they're going to get past it. I think well, the bigger key is too, is getting Sean Couturier back. And that's the, that's the bigger aspect than even just the defensive part, because then you add that defensive piece to your, you know, to your top, uh, your, your top line. And also you're getting a guy who could drive your offense also. Well, then you touched on it. Just You said the magic word right there. We talked about it. The question I have at this point is, did we overrate the depth of this team? No. Is it actually, is it not, is it, or is it just one of those scenarios where um, the injury bug has bitten this team in such a rapid movement with Myers, Ghost, Couturier, uh, and, and obviously Morgan Frost now too? Like, did it just all culminate at once? And then the, the depth kind of like, the depth is there, but when you have these sudden changes that are happening so rapidly that shuffled not just one or two lines and literally will affect all top four of your forward lines and your defensive lines, obviously. And it just kind of takes forever to mesh back together compared to one injury happening. And then three weeks later, another injury happening. Yeah. The snowball effect. And I think that's mm -hmm. not even the biggest part of it. The biggest part of it is having no exhibition games. So you can't see how well the guys are progressing and how they can work together. You had an abbreviated training camp and you also had uh, a 56 game season. Everything's compressed with a division that you're not used to seeing the same team back to back like this. So it's almost like playoffs here. So I think it's a culmination of all of that, mm -hmm. but at some point all every, every team will go through with it. It's just right now it's happening to the flyers right now. And, and they're under our microscope because of it. If you look at this as a whole though, if you add in, it's not the depth that's been tested. They have the depth to be able to make sure they have enough talent to keep their heads above water. If these guys were legitimate NHL players full time as of right now, you need to trade them all for assets, but you need. So um, look, it, it, when you factor in no training camp or abbreviated, when you factor in no exhibition games, the way this season's structured so far, it just looks a lot worse than it actually is right yeah. now. These guys are just worried about getting on the ice and getting, and getting OW in the next game. And that's exactly what they're going to do. It just, you have 26 less chances to do it nor the normal and everything is a little more compressed. Um, and every point means a lot more because you're not playing outside your division. But at the end of the day, these guys are professionals. When they get on the ice, they're looking to win a hockey game. So I wouldn't look at it as so much just, a culmination of all this happening once it's happening right now and it's going to move past sooner and later and they're going to be better because of it. it'll if anything it'll improve their depth because some of these guys are getting some good experience like for instance uh unfortunately morgan frost that would have been great for him if he would not separated a shoulder yeah. but mark friedman here's a guy who can come in and probably be your, maybe be your six or seven next season if you don't retain somebody or you have to move somebody along for whatever reason so it's a good chance to see it's a good chance to see that and especially since these are playoff style matchups, you know, you get really, really test some of these players. And, and later in the week, they'll face the Islanders, who was obviously the team that was their Achilles heel all last year uh, up until the stoppage. And then obviously they faced them in the Eastern Conference semis. So like, wh how do how what have the Islanders look like this season? I, I haven't much, watched much Islanders this season, admittedly. And uh, but I always think they're that. They're, they're the thorn in their flyers side right now. Like they just can't figure them out. And the injury bug that the flyers are facing is not going to help them later in this week, depending on who's potentially coming back, if at all. Well, they're good. The Anders are good. And they, they, I, I really paid attention to the Jersey devil game that they played against them the other night. Um, Right now, the Islanders are three one another. As we're doing this, they are live. So we don't know. Uh, we don't have the, we don't have the updates on that. Um, but from what I saw is that they're pretty much the same team they were last year, but <laughs> with a little more confidence and meaning that oh, good. That's yeah, exactly they, what they we try need to, to they, they try to trap you and then they try to transition on you. Uh, a lot of those game, a lot of those plays against the, uh, the devils. <clears throat> when you watch that game, a lot of them came off the rush. A lot of them came off of odd man chances. Uh, they find a way to get the puck out of the zone. They, they, they cause turnovers in their own end. They, and they break out very, very fast. Uh, Simeon Varlamov, I had like a game for his first two games were shutouts. And then I think in the third game, he started at some point in the second period, he gave up a goal. So he had like 140 minute shutout streak to start the season. And he's already a hard enough goaltender to score on. Their only loss came because Varlamov got nailed in the head during warmups um, <laughs> a couple games back. And uh, they had to start Ilya Sorokin and they got blown out. That was their only loss. Other than that, 
Uh, they've been they've been pretty solid. Matt Barzell is is just a as a stud. He's just this an kid. absolute stud of a yep. player, and he's absolutely incredible. Jordan Everly's got three points on the year. Two of those goals came against the Devils the other night. Um, but overall, uh, they are they look good against the Rangers. Uh, the, the that was the game they lost. They got shut out against the Rangers when that when that incident happened. But other than that, their first game they shut out the Islanders or shut out the Rangers, and then they beat the Devils. Um, so they are a solid hockey team. Um, I think that they are going to give a Flyers trouble as they always do. But but for whatever reason, while the Islanders have been a Flyers the thorn in the Flyers side, if you take a look at this team from last season. There's going to be a grudge there because there's very little roster turnover from the Flyers end. It's going to be tough for the Flyers to win both of those games. I do believe they split against the Islanders only because the Islanders will at some point expose their defensive miscues and expose their the injuries and, and, and the holes they have defensively, as we talked about a lot in this in this pod so far. Um, but I do think the Flyers know how to outwork them at some point to know how much they have to work in order to get a W out of them. So I don't think that it's going to be like, they're going to get run over like they did in Boston. It'll be a tough matchup might be an overtime game or two. Um, but it, maybe both of them go to overtime, but I do think that's going to be one where they wind up splitting this season. I think they split against the devils too, because the devils are up and coming. They're going to be well-disciplined. They're a good team overall. And look, if anything with the devils, it's just going to be, because they're going to be hard to score against them. And I want to call you out by the way, because Uh-oh. you bet with Boston last week and said it was going to be like a 5-4 game. And what was the final score, Bill? 5-4. It was like 2-1, to one, wasn't oh, it? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. told you it was going to be a low-scoring game. Yeah. So that, that's the kind of hockey that, that the Flyers are going to be facing this week. Tight defensive hockey, not a lot of goal scoring. It's going to make it look like their offense might be a little bit dry. And part of it is because of what the Flyers have going on. Um but at the same time, I, I think that they'll out, be able to outwork teams. You'll see a lot more of the wins like they had against Buffalo than they would against, you know, uh, than they how they blew out uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, I think that, that that goes to how well this miniseries concept is working, right? Like the, the you saw a lot more chippiness in Boston in game two, especially because that also played a factor because of how bad the Flyers were playing. So the frustration really grew out of it culminating obviously with Carter Hart and it's just one of those things so I I I do expect a lot of chippiness uh especially in the in the Islander series uh maybe the Devils but I I think the Devils will have to draw that out because I think they're the team that's trying to prove something against the Flyers specifically not the Flyers trying to like the Flyers are trying to prove something to themselves not specifically to the Devils so if there's that game's going to get chippy it's going to be because the, the devils drew something out of him, but like, yeah, I, I think this goes to how well or how nice this um, mini series is going. And it, it's going to be a lot of this throughout the entire season. Uh, just a lot of chippiness should be, I, to be clear, I said the over in that Boston game strictly because I, there was no mini camps. There was no preseason. That is why I was high on the over for the first couple of games in this season. I've, I've cooled down on that. I've completely, it, it's starting to go the other way. Other, other than when, if you took uh, the over in the Boston game two of the flyers, cause I'm sure I'm pretty sure that over was only six. So. You hit that. I'll tell you what, you want to start taking overs, make sure you take overs in the Canadian League, uh, mm-hmm. Canadian division. Oh, my God. I've been glued to that. I'm not going to lie. I've been glued to that. It, that division is fantastic. It's just a, it's a fantastic lot of fun. division of hockey. I'll tell you, you know who's undefeated so far this season? Who's been really impressive? Who? Montreal. Someone's undefeated? I thought every- Montreal. Montreal does, Montreal does not have a regulation loss. They've lost in the shootout, uh, shootout overtime, but they've not lost in regulation. And I'd say who's going to be a complete all-star in this league. And we have to talk about the trade from Winnipeg and St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Then they got Patrick Line, some of we were Columbus, know, really Columbus, crushing Columbus. on. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Columbus. Yeah, Columbus uh, uh, traded uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois for Patrick Line and Jack Roslovic. Um, so I, I, I'm shocked about that. So there go our dreams about getting line in Philadelphia, but i tell you what though, Nick Suzuki, keep an eye on that kid from, uh, from, uh, uh, Montreal, that kid plays full 200 feet. I was actually at work this week and someone, uh, had brought it to my attention asked me, and I said, Nick Suzuki's a hell of a player. He told me something about, there's something online about, uh, Nick Suzuki's 200 foot plays. 
there was a game, I forget who they played. I think it might've been Edmonton, but he poke checked the puck away from his own net, started the breakout, joined the rush and then scored at the other end. It was, he's a complete <laughs> 200 foot player that I think is going under a lot of people's radar. And uh, Montreal is going to do some damage. He's going to be a perennial all-star. He's got, he's so close to having that. He's got the finesse. He's got to learn that finish. And once he learns that, I'm telling you, that kid's going to be an all-star. Just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, so, I, I think over is only Canadian league. Yeah, if you're able to watch that, uh, it, it's a lot of fun. And and the Patrick Line stuff, man, I I I can't believe he's now uh, in the Central Division. I think is what it's called with Columbus. But either way, it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch him and uh, Torts. Is, him and Torts is an interesting combination. Yeah, because Line, he's a great player with a lot of skill, but Line needs a good center to play with. He's a, and he also needs a. Um, say Tortorella is going to push him hard. You got to wonder how yep. he's going to respond to that. He's going to push him really, really hard because that's how Torts likes his teams. And uh, Yarmor Kakalainen, their, uh, their Columbus's GM, they, he was trying to eye him and get him for a, lot, a while. And I, I don't know about how – we'll see how it works out. Um, but after that trade, uh, Winnipeg went out and Juana came over Ottawa, and they, they took that one back. So, I, you know what? And it's, it's cool to see that because now it might – open up some things where that's like a hockey trade that's a complete mm-hmm. hockey trade i've talked about it before it's not, no salary cap move it's just hey look we got a disgruntled center here that doesn't want to be here you got a disgruntled left wing that doesn't want to be there let's move but and, and see how it works out i'm telling you and it, it line eight catches fire in columbus when they go back to regular divisions lord help us yeah it's lord gonna be help us <laughs> it's uh, gonna speak- be bad Speaking of things that might be potentially really bad, uh, uh-huh. let's wrap this show up with the breaking news of what happened with the NHL, the NBC Sports Network, and the future of broadcasting for the NHL. Uh, if you missed it, NBC Sports announced that they are shutting down at the end of the year, by the end of the year. It could be, I'm, I don't know the exact date, but it's at some point by and, the end of the year. End of 2021, they're aiming for Yeah. They're shutting down NBC Sports Network, the home of almost every national game except the occasional Saturday matinee that goes on NBC at 1230. It's usually Flyers and Rangers. If you, like, that's usually how it goes. Uh, like, this is a serious problem, uh, not just for the NHL, but for the sports world, but specifically for the NHL. They are... In a in a are they in a contract year this year? Is yes, it next year? It expires the end of this. So year. it expires this year with the NBC. NBC has announced that the sports network is going to be shutting down in 2021, and like the NHL, I can't imagine they're going to publicly come out and say anything uh, too demeaning. But like they can't be happy about this because. Think about it from their end. They want to create as much competition as possible. And I'm not saying that NBC is going to um, completely abandon ship ship and get rid of their sports division because they have a pretty high name people in that in their uh, sector in that division of, of the television. So, like, if you're and you want to create as much competition as possible, get cash flow as possible. We talk about money and how it's struggled for the NHL. They cannot be happy about this. What, what like? Were you shocked as I was as soon as they announced that this thing was being shut down? I don't know. I think it's kind of, if you ask me, I think the NBC knows they're not getting the NHL contract again next season. Well, that's I don't a good think, point. I don't, I, I look at it this way. They, the whole idea behind this is I think NBC started throwing in the towel and all due respect to them before, you know, people take this the wrong way. I want all due respect to the man. I think, NBC threw in the towel when they made Kenny Albert their lead man for, for hockey broadcast. Well, that goes to, I think they threw, you could just phrase it a little nicer by saying they <laughs> threw in the towel when Doc Emmerich decided to retire. Well, okay. Fair enough. But we talked about <laughs> who could replace him before. Now, look, if you we had, have, con- yeah. well, well, let's see, if you had confidence that you could get a guy that is going to be the voice of your network for yeah. hockey games. Okay. It's, it's all fine. due respect to Kenny Albert. He's, he's a, he's a great announcer in his own right. He does a lot of the good, good announcing for football and Fox, and he does the Rangers radio broadcast. So he is a great announcer, but when people watch hockey on a national stage, when those games are on, on NBC and on NBC Sportsnet, there's a national audience. 
Kenny Albert's just not the guy to lead he's that. Not. I agree. He, he, yeah. he just does not have the – he's a very good at radio announcer. He's a good football player, but he's good at the pacing. Doc could continuously go and keep the flow going. Kenny Albert's not that style of announcer. Again, I'm not knocking him. He's a great announcer. He's just not a fit for someone as a casual fan. Hockey fans love him. I mean, I, I, I think what hockey fans love, especially ones in New York, but – you would think that you would find somebody along the lines of maybe like uh, if you're really going to keep that contract, go get a guy like Alex Faust, uh, who is the LA Kings announcer, who is really good, a young coming guy. Yep. And then there was a guy, I can't remember his name. It's not Chris Cuthbert, but he used to be the announcer for the Jets broadcast on TSN or RDS or whatever the hell they are. They got so many ridiculous CBC, whatever. Um, And now he's the Tampa Bay lightning announcer. Um, So, it just it cracks me up that you had a chance to do that. Secondly, part of this is that they're shutting the NBC Sportsnet because they think that they can put hockey on USA because it's in six million more homes than NBC Sportsnet. Okay, fair. Yeah, but it is a you fair really point. okay, but you think of it this way: do you do you really think that you know some person in the middle Midwest anyway who barely has cable and flipping around on the clicker as they probably call it? And <laughs> they, they, they turn on USA and see a hockey game, and you see it that's going into overtime, and Kenny Albert go, "Oh, stay tuned." except after hockey for a law and order followed by a murder right. she wrote that's so, the problem like, i don't yeah i think you go from hockey to murder she wrote or law and order whatever the hell's or monk whatever shows on usa nowadays i don't even know anybody yeah. watches anymore like that's the problem you're gonna have shows literal tv shows leading into the pregame coverage of national games and then post game will be leading into that stuff. It it sounds ridiculous, but like what was great about what's great about ESPN, what's great about Fox, what's great about um NBC right now is they have great pre pre game programming. Like as as weird like that, that sounds weird, but it makes sense. Like what they have leading into the pregames of their stuff is good content that usually pertains to what we're talking about or what we're about to watch. You can't, it's tough to go from law and order SVU to a preview of the Pittsburgh versus capitals national syndicated game that night. Right. How many tough. old people who like to watch that stuff is going to, are going to turn it off that dude, those are those casual fans you're trying to target. It's not going to work. The demographic is not going to work. Yeah. You can put hockey on in the playoffs on CNBC and USA in a pinch, but you can't have it as your national broadcast network. It's just not going to work. You're not going to get people to tune into that who are casual fans. We're not talking about the hardcore people that already put the money in the pockets. Yep. You're talking about the casual. You might get what? Out of 6 million more homes, maybe what? 100,000 people, if that, if to watch that. extra, that was- if that. If yeah. that, and really, it'd probably be just some dude laying on his couch asleep and fall asleep right. in his afternoon nap. Or well, ratings I are mean, ratings. He can't, unless they're really spying on us, the way Nielsen works, they'll just, it's just measures that someone's watching it. They're not watching right. that they're and, and asleep, I, but I, I get your point. And I'm not harping on like old people or trying to make jokes with, with that, you know, uh, murder she wrote or whatnot, but it's the truth. Like you have a sports network that carries the sports fan that you need to watch. So you can go and transition from premier league soccer over to the national hockey league. And you can retain a large part of that audience. You're I'm not going to retain a large part. Exactly. You're not going to retain a large part of the audience going from murder. She wrote to the national hockey league because You're people right. aren't going to care. So, right. I, and it goes back at, and during this, you kind of think like, Maybe Doc retired because he knew this was coming. So maybe point. this has been yeah. talked about long before and then realized, hey, look, this is going to be a thing. I'm right. not going to ESPN and starting over. ESPN and Fox are going to be big bidders on this. And if the NHL partners up with NBC again and does this, they are completely out of their mind because that contract is worth more than $200 billion over 10 years. And yep. ESPN, I guarantee you, will pay a lot more than that when a lot of the cable subscribers pay a lot less per sub for that subscribers so to speak and then what happens is that now you have hockey on a bigger stage and you have a lot more marketing that goes with it and you have a lot more people tuning in because you're already on a sports network and it's a very very smooth transition shutting on nbc Sportsnet is the dumbest move comcast could have made and 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 actually i i was thinking about this we we were texting back and forth the day that nbc announced that this was happening uh my immediate thought was What's the potential potential of a streaming service entering the fold? And you think about it and you're like, well, it, it works for the NFL because the NFL is 
king and it dominates the ratings of sports world uh, for tens of 20, 30 years for the, what and forever how long. Um, but I think there's a potential there that the NHL, not exclusively on a streaming web service like Amazon Prime or Yahoo, whatever it may be, but like you could do something similar to what the NFL does with uh, Thursday Night Football. It's on Prime. It's on Fox Sports. It's also on it's also on Yahoo every once in a while. Like you could do something like that. Um, and I think it opens up the world, not to the demographics as a whole, but it opens up to the, the younger generation of demographics. Everyone's online. I cut the cable cord. I have YouTube TV. That's all I have. Uh, and I have subscriptions to Prime, to, to Netflix, Hulu, all that stuff. I think the net, NHL would be pretty intelligent to look into that, but they would not be intelligent to look at it as an exclusive thing like all the national syndicated games would be amazon prime that would be a huge mistake right yeah but they already have kind of something like that with nhl tv that's true they they years ago the reason why the nhl app exists is because they partnered with mlb and mlb mlb create what it is nhl tv is great but it's expensive it's 120 dollars a year right and and that doesn't have to pay out up front and that blacks out national games. Like that's yeah. for local games. Like if you Not wanted even. to watch a national games, you would just have to, and, and local games, as long as it's out of the market, like Correct. you can't be in Philadelphia. Like Correct. I got it. It wasn't, it was, it was, um, what was it when I was in college? It was NHL game center when I was in college and I would live in, in state college at Penn state. And that's technically they dubbed that a Pittsburgh penguins network. So I was able to watch the flyers that way, which was nice. But like, as, as soon as I got home, I, I, I didn't really watch any more games after that. Right. Um, but you're right. Like something like that is there, but to, to like the NHL just isn't, it's the, it's the fourth sport out of the four major sports for a reason at this point. Like yeah, that's, you have an opportunity to make it better. You do. And you do. By putting it back, I've always been a big proponent of ESPN because I believe that if you put it back on a national network like that, that's all they do is sports. And that's yeah. why NBC Sports Network was a great concept. It went from Outdoor Life Network to Versus to NBC Sports Network, and it carried a lot of different sports like Premier League Soccer. That's another thing. Now they're transitioning that to Peacock. There might be talks about transitioning hockey to Peacock, but nobody's going to watch it. Now you're not going to get people. You For hockey to be successful – you have to make it into and you got to put the eyeballs in front of it. ESPN has ESPN plus they have some hockey games on there now, but not enough people are going to watch it. You're not going to get, you need it to be like basketball where you need it to have it, where you have a game one every night. If it's not an ESPN, it's on ESPN two. You have a game one pretty much every night to making sure you're getting as many eyeballs in front of it as possible until the NHL realizes that and does that. And hopefully they will now, because it seems like to me the way that NBC is acting, they're not doing it because of COVID. If they did, it seems like to me that NBC didn't get the ratings they expected out of the out of the bubble. Hundred percent, yeah. And it's probably more or less like, okay, like we're the NHL probably is like, we know we can do better. We know what we can get more eyeballs out of it. It's been a nice ten years, uh, but it's time for um, an amicable divorce, so to speak. I I think I would like to see. I as much as I love ESPN, I think ESPN is king in terms of sports coverage. Um, I think the conflicts that they've invested in their NBA broadcast to what they would try and potentially do with NHL, I think it would still diminish what the NHL could be at potential. I think Fox sports is the way to go in this. I think Fox sports, you can do a lot with FS one. You could do a lot with the regular channel uh, of Fox sports or excuse me with Fox, uh, of Fox network, whatever you call it. Uh, like I think Fox might be the way to go now. Who do you choose? You can't keep tapping into the, in terms of play-by-play uh, -play -play announcer. Can't, as much as I love Joe Buck, you can't keep tapping into that well because Joe Buck is already strained. He does golf every once in a while now. He does basketball, or excuse me, he obviously does baseball. He obviously does football. Like, he, like Joe Buck is the voice of sports for Fox Sports, but can you really get him to agree to be doing a thing like hockey 18 times a year, say 20 times a year in a regular 82 game schedule. That's a lot. Like, I, I, I don't even know if that would be even a smart idea. How many people don't like Joe Buck to begin true. with and adding him to hockey. That's not going to help your popularity. I'll tell you, yeah. he's a good guy to do it. Mike Tarico. Mike Tarico is really well, good he, when he did hockey last year, but he's at NBC. 
Yeah, I understand that, but yeah. who knows? Maybe you poach him, maybe. Works some, and maybe he goes back to whatever network does it. And I say ESPN because it's on every basic cable subscriber network. You know, FS1 is not. And again, it comes down to the eyeballs. It comes down to the eyeballs. If, if ESPN can be in 100 million homes and Fox is in 60, 70, 80, I'd tell you what, the NHL is going to look and say, I, I got to get in those 14 more million homes there. Then we're yeah. for 20 million more homes or whatever it is. If the NHL is saying, if they're, if, look, if ESPN has come to the NHL, which they have, and said, hey, we want to buy it back, uh, you know, I think they learned their lessons from the, from the things uh, from the after the lockout that they didn't need hockey. And the NHL went out and did its own thing and kept itself afloat. Uh, the NHL has made itself a lot more, I should say, a lot more monetary than it used to be. So, yeah, they have. Um, I think that with ESPN having a handicap on on baseball, on um, on basketball and hockey, and still have Monday Night Football, I, I tell you what, if you're looking at it from a business perspective, that's a pretty good partnership. I would I would like to have a monopoly on all the sports as well because then it forces people into my it forces in, in people's eyeballs. So that's true. It, it forces the network to be around you all the time, regardless of what's going on. And I, I tell you what, it's. It, it, if any other network has that, you're competing against that, and VSPN has it, man, I'll tell you what, that'd be a good for them because they've already had their troubles financially. So it's it's certainly suddenly a monkey wrench in this already monkey wrench of a season for sure. Yes, like for just sure. the fact for that sure. that this is now what's going to be happening with ESPN or excuse me, with NBC and the NHL. It's never boring for guys like us and for listeners like yeah. you, and that's why it's always entertaining. We, we never know. You never know what we're going to be talking about each each and every week. It, that's what's yeah. the, the beauty of this thing. It's going to have huge financial financial implications going forward. Huge because it's going to affect the salary cap. Yep, it's going to affect a lot of different things because it's hockey related revenue. There's a lot in it, a lot that goes out with it. Roughly right now, teams get six billion dollars from the uh, from the networks each year. Each team gets six million dollars, uh, roughly. So. I would expect that would go up. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to watch over the next little while here. Cause those negotiations will happen sooner rather than later. Cause you need to have it in place for when you start in the fall. So I would say by, by the time the playoffs start, we'll know who's going to be on the network next year. Yeah, I think that's true. All right. Well, we thank you so much for listening. That is episode. What was it? 62. 62. I'm losing 62 count. Of these? We still, how many of these? 62 of these. Wow. And the flyers are still the same. Yeah, still Still struggling to clear the the defensive zone to create chances in their own offensive zone. Control the neutral zone. It's all. It's all. And that will keep going on until they win the Stanley Cup, and then we'll find something to complain about. Then, won't we? Very true. But if you want to hear our complaints, subscribe to us on YouTube. Just search for us. You can find us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Shoot us an email, all of it. Orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. Twitter, at OBackcheck. We thank you so much for listening. Orange and Backcheck Twitter and YouTube as well. Just search for it. We'll be right there. We thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you, talk to you guys in like a week on Tuesday. Go Flyers against the Devils and the New York Islanders. That's the matchups this week. And heart of heart, you have nothing to apologize for. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys soon. Stay tuned for episode 63, followed by Colombo on USA. Kenny Albert. Definitely going to have to mute myself at some point. Hopefully it times out well, because uh-huh. Mowgli's sitting right next to me. An absolutely frustrating week for the Philadelphia Flyers this past week, coming in and cultivating <laughs> right on fucking time. Right on time. And that is the end this week. Look at that. <laughs> like, I knew... Ha <laughs>